Fire in the hole! This is the Frank and Friends Show, a Seymour Smokies Insider Edition. Hi there, I'm Frank Murphy. I'm Catherine Frady, and we are here out at Marble Springs Historic Site, which is actually the location for Marble City Opera's upcoming production, Susanna. That's a lot of marbles. I know Catherine. it is, and sometimes people think it's Marvel, and they get confused. And, yeah, Marble. <laughs> yes. No, not Marvel Comics. <laughs> it's Marble, like as in Catherine's lost her marbles, to be out here exactly. with me on and a hot heat. summer day. Yeah. Well, your production of Susanna is coming up here on location. It's it's That's an right. immersive opera. Um, when? It will be June 8th, 9th, and 10th Which at is 7 p.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's correct. Oh, 7 p.m., by the way. That really yes. messed me up because all the previous shows have started at a different time. I know. So my wife <laughs> I had to change it in the calendar. We're like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, <what>? there are bugs. <laughs> Catherine, those are authentic bugs. I know. Those are state Nothing historic bugs. Nothing That's what those are. <laughs> because this is a state historic site, like you mentioned. This was the final home of Governor John Sevier, who was governor of the state of Franklin, which went away, didn't get the votes needed in Congress to even exist. And then when instead they created the state of Tennessee out of the land of North Carolina, North Carolina's Western Territory that apparently nobody wanted. Can you imagine that? That's sad. North Carolina thought what? it was too much trouble. Well, they were wrong because we left Tennessee. Well, anyway, um, then he became the first governor of Tennessee. So, and they have every year, uh, right around June first, depending on you know what day. This year it happened to be two days later, Saturday, June third. They had a statehood day celebration. That's amazing. And a guy, some guy, I wish I'd gotten his name, other than Governor John Sevier, all dressed up in his military best, firing his rifle nice. and telling us the life story That's of awesome. John Sevier and, and here at his plantation. In fact, I even got a brochure. Fancy. The Statehood Day uh, brochure yesterday. And when you open it up, Catherine, not only do you have a map of all the things and the different activities, like the band, brand new box of matches that we saw and some others, nice. um, when you open it all the way up, there's an ad. <gasps> Look at that! Did you know? I didn't! I was oh, counting on you not knowing. Marble Springs Historic <laughs> Site. Love you guys. That's amazing. <laughs> and add right here for uh, Marble City Opera's production of Susanna. So we're going to take a look around. We got some footage during the Statehood Day celebration. They had folks in costumes. They had a lot of authentic artifacts out nice. and about. In fact, I even learned that the, the where we're standing right now... These nails. Um, the, the square-headed nails are the ones that are authentic or at least made in the authentic style. Right. Because when they began mass-producing the nails, they had they used round-headed nails. So the square-headed nails are the ones that are 17, 1700s. I always get that messed up. 1700s authentic, so 18th century. Nice. And probably earlier. Yeah. Well, everything's going to be authentic, and Susanna, too, is going to basically be the same. We're all going to be in costumes and... Moving around the and site, you play, I play the role of Susanna. All right, well, we'll learn more about the opera today on this special edition of the Frank and Friends Show. Without further ado, I give you the first and third governor, but who's counting? John Sevier. Thank you. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to Marble Springs. How's everyone doing? Doing well. Yeah. Good, good. Allow me to introduce myself. I am your humble and obedient servant, John Sevier. It's a great pleasure to have everyone come and visit me uh, at Marble Springs. You can ask any of the neighbors and they'll tell you that one of my greatest pleasures in life is having people come out here to Marble Springs and visit with me. Now, uh, I know some of you have been asking or are wondering, uh, my regimental coat is 100% wool. So, it's warm, but it's not unbearable. 
Uh, under that, I have on a cotton waistcoat or waistcoat, and then I have a linen shirt on under that, which is relatively cool. But I know you're all sitting out in the sun, so I'm gonna do my presentation out in the sun with you. That way I know when it's about time to end. <laughs> and if I do go too long and I pass out on the ground, my presentation's over. It's not rude to leave at that time. Thank you guys so much. We are a brand new box of matches. This is, is this Bonnie Kate. This is, yes, Bonnie Kate. So it's Catherine Cheryl um, Severe. Her family was actually uh, further west earlier than uh, John Severe's family. Um, I said you were saying that you prefer, you're more comfortable in the much more comfortable. 1700s clothes, the yes. 18th century. It, for an all day, and it's my husband. He, I've always said it. My stays, um, my back never hurts when I wear stays all day. Uh, it's always very cool. Everything fits. Like, you know, you're feeling a little heavier that day. You just move your pen. It's fine. <laughs> and what about you? Don't have to deal with anything. Worth wearing stays. It's, uh, it's a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a it's like, yeah, you're welcome to it. Oh, yeah. Sort of like a, kind of like a corset. It's like a corset, but uh, Victorian corsets uh, were meant to do the extreme small waist. Stays were just to basically utilitarian, just to create a posture, a back brace. I mean, if you think about it, you're thinking of that over and over all day long. It holds the weight of your skirt. You can see right here where the weight of the skirt is. So all the weight, everything. You can carry pockets. I've got my pockets on underneath this. You can carry everything just in a distributed way. Uh, but it's not meant to, I mean, I can breathe. It's fine. It's hard to drive in modern stick <laughs> How do you know which end of the hat is front? Well, <laughs> normally, it's the pointier end. Oh, okay. I see. This one is one that my wife and I made. Um, and we didn't really spend a lot of time on it, but this end is slightly pointier. So that makes it the front. Yeah, this is, this is just a fedora from Target. <laughs> we took it, uh, stuck a clothing steamer on it. Well, I stuck a clothing steamer on it, rounded out the top, folded the sides up, handed it to my wife and she did the rest <laughs> no so, kidding that's fantastic yeah that's my, my outfit was made mostly by her and it looks good yeah looks good. well we also have outfits that you guys can try on if you want take some pictures in front of the building and that's called carding right correct yes these are hand cards and as you can see comparing the two sure. this gets a lot of the dirt out and opens it up it helps detangle it okay. so that i can spin it more easily how long does it take? Because um, I saw it somewhere, I don't know, couldn't even tell you where in the world this happens, maybe in New York. There was a contest they're having where it's sheep to sweater, and you have a team of people, and you get a sheep, and you have to shear it, do what you're doing, and make a sweater within, I think they have like a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. So that actually sounds like the Maryland Fiber Festival. And oh, the old MFF, of course. <laughs> I am familiar with the competition you're speaking of. I would love to see it in person at some point. Um, so it really depends. What they do is they take it straight off the sheep's back and they leave the lanolin in. They don't scour it at all. So that shortens the process. 
but the garment you're left with at the end has a lot of dirt trapped in it uh, and it can be very greasy right. what i have done with this is i've actually scoured it with hot water to get the lanolin out and the majority of the dirt and whatever the sheet might have rolled in and so i mean it it only takes me about an hour or so to scour it i have to change the water several times because as you can imagine the water gets very dirty and greasy very quickly um the process for letting it dry can take much longer so that could be you know a few hours to a couple days depending on what the weather is yeah. if it's typical tennessee summer and high humidity <laughs> it's gonna take longer um but i mean it just varying steps i mean it could take a hundred hours to end up with a finished garment that has been woven well, thank you what's your name my name's Kristen. Kristen, i appreciate you thank you very much nice to meet you all nice hope you, you enjoy too. So we're here at the home of John Severe, Marble mm -hmm. Springs State Historic Site, and you're going to use this cabin, which happens to be where the bathrooms of the gift shop are on the other side of it's that It's the wall. only cabin with air conditioning, and so <laughs> it's the backstage. I'm not going to say that I specifically chose it for Susanna's house because mm -hmm. of the air conditioning. I hear you. But, you know, I am... The only yeah. character who gets the air conditioning. Now, remember when I called you prima donna <laughs> and you were insulted? I meant it as a compliment. because oh, thank you. <laughs> prima's first and Donna is lady, so you're the, the first lady of the stage. And There we go. Plus, you're also yes. the executive artistic director of Marble City Opera. You can pick whatever cabin you want. <laughs> and so, I certainly did. So what, now you've already said this is different than when John Severe was standing here yesterday talking about his life and story. What have you done well, we've set up, we're using some of the props actually that are from here. So like the, the rocking chairs and the table, but we're bringing in some of our own props and to, you know, to help tell the story. Susanna is very religious, mm -hmm. as is the town, um, but they are... Like David Crawford play, plays a preacher. He plays a preacher. Okay, so he a would be a, preacher. have a Bible to thump. So he would have a Bible, but, um, you know, they're very fundamentalist. And Susanna is more of a thinker, so that's where they have in, they come into conflict. But mm -hmm. she also really wants to travel. Like, Ain't It a Pretty Night is all about, oh. you know, like leaving this little town and going someplace. We have all these little postcards, mm -hmm. even of San Francisco. And so that's kind of go. comparable to the Little Mermaid singing. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> she wants to go. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? And it's comparable to uh, Dorothy Gale singing that she wants to go somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere <laughs> and it's comparable over to uh, 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 Belle singing There Must Be More Than This Provincial Life. It's there must be more than this provincial <laughs> life. Yes. <laughs> Just like all of those. <laughs> so I'm glad whoever wrote this opera, somebody Floyd, what's his name? Carlisle Floyd. Uh, seems to know the basic beats of, of musical theater. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't it a pretty night? <laughs> Well, good. And I see you've got your flask, so you can start drinking early. This is for my brother. The character Sam is oh, my I brother. Oh, I thought your actual real-life brother had sent it to you. No. <laughs> Joseph Mc McBrayer is playing the role of Sam in the, in the play. It's, it's my brother. And he's a drinker. Now, here's yep. something that was interesting. When, when Governor John Severe had all of his stuff hanging around his neck, and he had, um, you know, all the different, especially things to load his rifle, all sticks and gunpowder and things. He had a water canteen that looked like a, like a we would consider it to be a flask. Oh, nice. But he used it for water. water. And he, ha he also used it, in addition to drinking it, would use it to clean his rifle. So just because you see a flask, don't assume that there's liquor in it. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, in this case, there is, though. Another, speaking of liquor, though, John Sevier said that it was, they went in colonial days, that this wasn't even a colony, you know? Right. Um, they had trouble getting money from the British. They were withheld, so they ended up using whiskey. They would distill whiskey on site and use it as money. Nice. So they could pay for something right. with a jar of whiskey, and he said the best part. Well, maybe he didn't say it was the best part. I thought it was the best part is that, let's say I give you a jar of whiskey, but the goods you've given me are worth less than a jar of whiskey. You can make change. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. It's like, oh, no. I I take some of that back. (laughs) (laughs) Now you can have it. (laughs) Yes. Well, good, good. All right. So maybe take us around and show us uh, where else the opera takes place and where the audience will be. I will. So, Catherine, these are some of the other cabins here at Marble Springs. Yeah, so we're using them all in a really fun, immersive way. Um, we have Susanna's cabin, which is centralized in the lo- you know, here, and the audience where is going to be where we're standing. But we're thinking about tilting them a little bit, like putting them on an angle so that they can see that the McLeans, who are really mean, they live over in this, this cabin. And then the Ots, and then there's even another house a little further back that you can't see, but like that's where the other couples are in the show are going to be residing. And so they will be like running up to the cabin during the action. And then this cabin as well will belong to one of the, the couples. And then as we go this direction, so we, we might be using the dinner bell. It's like fantastic. But if you go this direction, then you can see where the church pavilion is. Will the audience have to pick up and walk up there with you? They will. So, meaning the, me, I'm in the audience. Yeah, right? the so first. I have the, to walk up there. The first scene and the the first scene of Act One and the first scene of Act Two are going to take place up there, and then everything else. Oh, will so we take start up there. there. You start up there, come down here, have uh, all of the rest of Act One. Then we'll take an intermission. Act Two will start up there, and then we'll bring it back down here. Now we're here on the day that you're loading in. Oh, I see. Look at this ingenuity. Yep. They've got a zip this tie the umbrella. This is fabulous maestro. Hello, fabulous maestro. Hello. <laughs> I'm also FM, Frank Murphy. Sweet <laughs> <laughs> to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And Joseph McBrayer, who is playing Hello. Hello, my, my brother in the show, Sam. Oh, yeah, I hear you're a drinker. You know, we all have our demons. <laughs> <laughs> Want me to ring it? Oh, gee, Catherine. <laughs> you almost uh, fell, you fell over. <laughs> that may be the sound that you hear as we're getting ready to start the show. Thank you. 
Well, you must be burning up or exhausted or both. Yeah, and exhilarated. Really? Yeah, it's fun. You know, I mean, it is hot out here and it's... Yeah. But this is but. the first <laughs> rehearsal. And what do you call that? I mean, I know yesterday you in you had a sits probe, which is in the rehearsal room. And you everybody sings with the orchestra for the first time. Right. So now here, there's a piano... And it's like a tech rehearsal. Is this piano tech? This what is this? piano tech. So, like, normally you'd be in a theater, yeah. you know, and we'd be working well, out the lights. Not if you're with Marble City Opera. Yeah, no. You're never normally never in a theater. Normally. That's the exception. Yeah. <laughs> true. True story. <laughs> you called me on that one. Uh, so, yeah, this is our piano tech, and that's why the director is trying to move us all around and make sure we know where we're supposed to go. Yeah. We're just kind of trying to hit our, you know, key points so mm-hmm. that when we run it tonight with orchestra, we Well, it's been helpful doing. to me because I know when Jerry and I are here on Friday night, I now know where to sit to get the best view. That's good. Of the action, right? Yes. Are you, are you going to tell everybody? No. Oh. <laughs> a no. secret. It's a nope. secret. <laughs> well, we see, because it's a trick that in the in the church scene, in the pavilion, I want to be in what appears to be the last row because that would actually be the first row. Right. And then, I mean, obviously, I'm going to try to sit in the front row of the chairs when it's over well it's over there right. uh, your cabin scene but also you've got that angled in a way that we're going to see everything anyway yeah i think also like if you're angled towards like the left side of the cabin then you can also see the pavilion yeah and you'll be able to see preacher blitch walking down ominously oh, nice. to the to the cabin now my so. other tip that i've picked up from going to so many of your productions is try to sit this is going to sound terrible but as far away from the orchestra as you can yes not because they're because you want to you hear them better, right? The, sa- a, you, the balance is, a, right. is better. You hear the sound more more around you, and you're not drowned out by whatever instrument you're sitting closest to. Correct. Yeah. yeah, the seats furthest away from the orchestra will have technically the best sound. Yeah, so that's another another tip if you're coming to Marble City Opera's production of Susanna by Carlisle Floyd, written in the nineteen somethings, nineteen fifties. It's seventy five years old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. And uh, performed here at Marble Springs State Historic Site on June 8th, 9th, and 10th, which is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I hope that you'll come out. You get your tickets at marblecityopera.com slash tickets. And also, just come experience all that John Sevier's home has to offer. You can learn about Bonnie Kate. Oh, nice. Oh, you hear about Bonnie Kate? I need to learn about all these people. Oh, Bonnie Kate was his second wife. Oh. With a story, though. Can I have to tell you real quick? Is... The fort was under attack. Okay. Right. The women are out milking the cows. Of course. When the fort is attacked. (laughs) All the women get inside the fort except for Bonnie Kate. But she runs alongside. They have to close the gates because the the attackers, the uh, the natives, are so close to her. Right. They, so she's locked out of the fort. Okay. She runs alongside. John Severe reaches over and hoists <gasps> her over the wall of the fort, and falls over and she lands right on top of him. She later becomes his second wife. Bonnie yes. Kate. That's amazing. Because <laughs> the first that story. wife, first wife died during childbirth of child number ten, and then had, had that first wife already died. No, not yet. Oh, okay. But then years oh, later, later, when first wife dies, he's like, uh, "Oh, remember." 
that girl who I hoisted up over the, the fence and she becomes she wife number me. two yeah. and they have eight children. Fantastic. <laughs> so that's, that's the story of John Severe. I love that. I love it. <laughs> right here at Marble Springs. So you can learn all about that when you stop by. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. Smash that button. So you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and you'll have to come in and do a regular podcast and yeah, tell absolutely. us more of the behind the scenes stuff. Sounds good. All right, this is the Frank and Friends Show, a Seymour Smokies Insider Edition. I'm Frank Murphy. I'm Catherine Frady. And we'll talk to you again next time.